and welcome to the Big Fat Gay Podcast, where we love to talk about the things that are weighing on our minds. My name's Don Marshall. I'm a big chubby guy living here in sunny Hollywood. And today I am, well, today I am pretty much a pinata because we're just a few <laughs> days after Halloween. Uh, we had no trick-or-treaters, so I am just pretty much stuffed with candy bars at this point. Oh, thank God. I thought you were being beaten by the tree. I was <laughs> a pinata pre-mauling uh, by the I'm, I'm the happy type of pinata, the one you want hanging in your living room. <laughs> your I never mind. Uh, <laughs> hi, my name is Dan Oliverio, author, public speaker, and certified chubby chaser. Uh, today, I, um, golly, I, I feel like not really a pinata, but if we're talking about things being hung from trees, maybe a, maybe a bird feeder. I don't know. I hate this metaphor. <laughs> and I should have stopped. It's okay, Dan. I should it's have okay, stopped Dan. while I was a well behind. <laughs> Trevor, who are you? <laughs> I'm Trevor. <laughs> I'm Trevor Kizan. I'm a super chub, and today I am your, uh, your post election day boy. Oh, oh yes. right. That and we don't know the results of this election yeah, because uh, it's because the past. It's, yes. Welcome We're to the past, past land where things You're the are. Future. Yeah. <laughs> things are either the same terrible or they're a whole new kind of terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so nothing's changed. My name is Michael. I am a chaser and uh, much like Don, I, but I am the pinata post uh, oh. assault. By I, I won't go into details. I'll spare you guys. But uh, it's been a rough week in soccer world, and my leg. Oh wow! My leg is uh, not not injury wise, just sort of sliding on turf, oh. sort of rug burn bleeding thing. Oh no! That Yes. Is I, I assumed you were still talking about candy and that was that. Was no, there's no candy involved. It's being beaten up. That was, the, that was what I was going <laughs> nice. I'm just trying to it's imagine nice it. to have soccer to give you an excuse for the rug burn on your knees. I was, well, <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm just trying to picture this soccer game where you have rug burn <laughs> and you get beat up. Imagine, imagine doing like a baseball slide on a cheese grater. Ooh. Um, that's that's sort of. I'm sorry. I, where do you play soccer? Not there know. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> on a giant first and last grader. game on that field. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, we're back. We're yeah, back. Welcome. Probably with with plenty to send on yeah. to Patreon in our cutting room floor. Mm. By the way, Patreon. Speaking of which, yeah. Thank you. Um, thank you. You're thank awesome. You to to some new supporters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Some new patrons. Um, and we've been getting some good content up there again. So yeah. It's, it's a happy and, and good comments on good it's content. not always the case <laughs> don't get excited don't get excited yeah we won't hold ourselves to that <laughs> i don't know i think the uh the cutting room floor is always delightful because <laughs> if you want us it's usually you <laughs> <laughs> i if you want us without yeah. all of that you know con context and you know actually talking about stuff yeah and making sensible yeah. points but now you understand this podcast is basically a uh, big fat gay podcast light with 30 percent less trevor you know? <laughs> 30 30 it all goes on there yeah <laughs> it's sometimes there have been times there was one that was like oops all trevor <laughs> <laughs> i mean we do we do all I, I should put it this way cutting room floor is not everything i cut it's everything i cut that's still worth listening to yes so the rest of us that would be me say things <laughs> yeah the rest of us say things that are just you know nonsense. just get out of it just Other get nonsense, rid of it yes. Anyway, so thank you to Patreon peoples. Uh, we're going to be putting more stuff up on there. We also have some minisodes coming up that we have planned. Um, I don't know. Are we teasing the subjects for the minisodes or are we letting that be mysterious? I think we should let it be a mystery. Yeah. Okay. Well, stay tuned for the end of this month. And I know Trevor and I are going to want to do 
a uh, another cooking episode, probably Christmassy yes. themed. December. Make a goose. Make a goose. Make a goose. Make a goose. Just a I whole love goose. Christmas goose. I don't think I've ever had Christmas goose before. Uh, it's like I don't know if I've ever had goose. It's before. getting them into it's those like plaid vests. That's on, the hard part. It's like part. duck on steroids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you save all the fat and you make a cassoulet. That's my father's wow. fa- Christmas tradition. And holy crap, is that good? Or confit. Yeah. Yeah, or, or mm-hmm. the, the yet, yeah. Anyway, so that <laughs> that's uh, that's going to be coming up in December. Um, so thank you very much, Patreon peoples. And yes. now moving on to to the to the good stuff, right? Yeah, we're mm-hmm. going. It's going it's in pop going culture. Ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> we have music for pop culture. Very now. sudden pop culture. Um, What's in pop culture? If we ever do a video version, we have to have a choreographed intro. I'm picturing a bunch of like cooked gooses kind of doing the the single ladies dance. (laughs) I'm picturing people coming out of like the laugh indoors. And then they they take off their little top hats and wave them with a (laughs) You work on that baby. Um, Jazz hands, but goose feathers. uh, Our pop culture is all feel good. It's some of our favorite. Yep. Favorite people. Indeed. Bubble Starting gum. off with uh, The Advocate with uh, Harvey Guillen. Harvey Guillen. Every time he comes up, it's you know that you've got something good coming down the pike. And the magazine, he's on the cover and he is recreating, uh, I don't remember what, uh, album cover on Rolling Stone. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. It was a Rolling Stone cover. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, Harvey has recreated this, this sort of famous cover. It's, it's so good. It, it's him uh, lying on this like pink sheet, the angle taken from above. If you know mm-hmm. the image, then you know the image on a, on a corded phone, yes. a pink corded phone uh, holding a pink teddy bear uh, dressed in like a black bra and an unbuttoned uh, like nighty. Like, well, it's like, like a white pajama set. Pajamas. Um, I remember when cords had phones and you had to crank them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, they call like, it dialing. They call like it dialing. The little, <laughs> I like the little uh, black tuxedo bow tie on his shorts. I don't yes. know. I think that's a nice touch. Anyway, that's not the whole point. That's just part of it. That's just, I mean, that's the most important part of it. Let's be honest. I mean, that's, I was like, I got it. I was so excited when I saw that. Clickbait is what it is. Chaser clickbait. I think it's also just like we're in a time right now where there are so many fat people on magazine covers in a good way. <laughs> yeah. And they actually get like, to keep their heads in these photos. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. <laughs> and just like thinking about like, what is it like to be, I don't know, a fat little kid and like get to see all these awesome people on magazine covers and be able to like rip off the covers <laughs> <laughs> and like tape it up on your wall <laughs> or chaser. Or a little chaser. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, and then he says that's partially, that's like why he did it mm-hmm. too, is he's imagining like all the little, all the little Harveys out there who get to see him on the cover. Yeah, It's interesting in retrospect, barriers. thinking about like when I was a kid, but there was John Candy and John Belushi. Yeah. Like, Which I don't know about you, but I never aspired to be. No, <laughs> never wanted to be John Belushi. No. Uh, John Candy had more of a nice guy vibe, but yeah, but he was it. You know, later on they had John Goodman, but like there were no, I, I remember if I, I think if I saw this picture on a magazine cover growing up, to me, it would have been a promise that like the world is not going to exclude well, you in the future. And I well, think, and your name also isn't John, so <laughs> it's very difficult. It's very difficult to identify. No, I think, I think the other thing that's different too is that, you know, when I was growing up and being a fat kid, your body was wrong as opposed to nowadays where it's like, oh, you think my body's wrong. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. There's a huge difference mm-hmm. in those two statements. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The ability to make that stand in your own head, mm-hmm. regardless of what you say out loud, is so important. Yeah. So Harvey is out there uh, on the cover representing queer people, Latinx people, uh, fat people, um, femme people, just all kinds of cool people. And if you're a kid out there and you get to see him on the cover, it is just, I would imagine, very inspiring. Or at the least just nice. Like, I don't know, like maybe there's kids out there who already like, they're already feeling good and they don't need it, but it's still mm-hmm. nice. It's like a nice reminder. I want to know what the chasers out there are thinking. Like the young, like the kids who are just like, what is this? Like this is the <laughs> best. He's going to be somebody's awakening. This is the best magazine ever. I don't, <laughs> I don't understand why. <laughs> um, I love the the story in the interview with him about the, the pumpkin and the... <laughs> uh, oh, the pumpkin seeds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is wonderful. It's, it's the... It's it's his uh, origin story, yes. basically. His, but not his to, or, not his fat gay origin story. To sum up, <laughs> well, but, but we're leading into yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um. So basically, there was a pumpkin, and the kids were supposed to guess how many seeds were in it. So everyone was guessing under five hundred, and he was guessing over six hundred. And the teacher's like, "No, you should be guessing something under five hundred. So that's way too high." And he, listener, he was right. dead on. Dead on. And and stuck to, I mean, made a point to stick to his guns. I mean, when you have an authority figure as a kid telling you not to do something, as a mm-hmm. young kid, not a teenager. Mm-hmm. It was what, like six, seven? Yeah. It was six, um, seven years old. A grade school. So Grade school. And yeah. I don't know. I th- and, and that, anyway, that was sort of the inception point for him continuing to make those sorts of stands growing up when he was in college, uh, uh, taking acting classes, they, they had this rule that you weren't allowed to go on auditions. He did decide to go out on auditions um, at some point, and it wasn't to say screw you to the school or like I'm too good for this. It was just because he was getting offers and he actually booked some of them. Obviously. Um, he was all over the Disney mm-hmm. Channel. Yeah. Oh, was he? Yeah. So take a note. Take, take, take a page out of Harvey's book. Take a pumpkin. Take, take inspiration. Take, take a pumpkin seed. Throw <laughs> <laughs> uh, some pumpkin seeds in his honor. And check out this photo spread because it is just so, it's so wonderful. It's, it's like. I think the appropriate word is a delicious. Yes. I, 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 would, I would vote the for only, that word, yeah. Bubblegum delicious. The flowers. I mean, yeah, it's flowers, very bubblegum, isn't it? It's very bubblegum. Very yeah. pop candy. Well, it's Britney Spears. Yes. Well. So related to the advocate is the sister magazine. I don't know if they are still officially connected at this point because think, they've been parceled out to different companies. Yeah. I, I mean, last I heard they were still part of the same publishing empire. The, what, the magazine we're talking about is out. Out, out yes. magazine. The out 100 for 2022, which is very, in case you don't know, is they do it every year. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just pick the uh, hundred most influential people in queer world. Um, and it's, you know, out magazine has this history of being very sort of, Looks centric. Um, uh, yeah, very, but very sort of, um, what's the term? Like not heteronormative, but the gay version of that. It's very yeah. sort of gay, uh, cis. <laughs> gay normative? Ho- white. No, I think it's homo, homo normative. Homo, yeah. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> homo normative. Yeah, um, basically presenting uh, traditionally male, cisgendered, very, usually attractive as the possible. model, yeah. You know? Model-esque. To the point where like I'm reading going like I have no idea why this person's on the list back in the day. He's just really hot. But Besides just being hot. Yeah. Like I'm sorry. That's wh- what else? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> what else do you need? No. And, and, and Out Magazine has shifted a lot from that. Yes. I was so pleasantly surprised because I haven't bothered opening Out's Top 100 in years and years and years and years mm. and years. And I was really pleased to open it up and see a list of. Wow, wow, there are women on the list. Wow, there are people over 50 on the list. Wow, there are How some they get fat there? people on the list. <laughs> who you know, who so, let them in? Including. So including. Including. Friend of the podcast. 
Dexter. Dexter Mayfield. That is correct. Yes. The, okay. So let me set up this photograph. Because the, the, the term that comes to mind is like statuesque. Mm. He has this, he's wearing this like flowing white sort of, how would you describe this, Trevor? Like it's sort of like a, there it's, are pants, it's but they're flowing. Toga-esque. Yeah, it's toga-esque. Kind of like, yeah. It's like Greek influence. Yeah, imagine Greek a toga that goes into pants. pant legs. Yeah, yeah. It's and gorgeous. he's posing. He's got this like regal pose. It, it's and, like every photograph of him is like, if someone were just following him around with a camera thinking, how can I make him look like an icon in every photo? <laughs> <laughs> and he is. He looks like a fashion icon in every photo. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the fat men want to be him. The chasers want to fuck him. It's great. What's <laughs> <laughs> that phrase? Um, but I mean, he has, you know, he's got the brain to match. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, his, some of his quotes in there are incredibly inspiring. I mean, the quote that I'm thinking of is he works to, in quotes, demolish the divisive and destructive hate filled delusion that fuels racism, misogyny, homophobia, transphobia, ableism, and other isms that continue to plague our society systematically in all forms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> go text her. <laughs> and now 100 which is a pretty good achievement. Yep. Yeah, and he's right. had a hell of a big year too. I also like the anecdote about him. Um, uh, he is the co-host. He is a co-host of Come Dance With Me. Oh, I love this. Um, which they, they pair next to the fact that he had at one point, as he is, you know, one of his many things he can do, and I think his first big thing was dancing, mm-hmm. um, being in tons of uh, big music videos, J-Lo's video way back in like 2012, I think. Um, he had auditioned for So You Think You Can Dance, and did not get on. Uh, more than once. More than once, apparently. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, no, nah, not you. <laughs> and I don't know. I just love that he's now the host. The I remember that show, show always had a strange relationship with fat people who really could dance and audition. Well, so many of those shows yeah. are about like, you know, we're going to put you on the show because no one will believe it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember... I, it was like the 10th anniversary of the show or the 15th anniversary. They brought back all the winners and, and second runner-ups for a big dance mm, number. And how did they look? And <laughs> the second runner-up from the first season had gotten much larger. Mm. And she was still just powerful as hell. She sure. looked amazing. But uh, yeah, she was not highlighted in the dance piece at all. She was really definitely pushed off to the side. Anyway. Well, well who would watch that? I hear an eagle. Do you? Oh, God. <laughs> that- there it is. <laughs> that so, watch, 2022. <laughs> it's almost like the eagle comes when the drum rolls. Like it it. <laughs> you feel it's it? almost as though the eagle were being summoned <laughs> by some mysterious person with a button. Hello? <laughs> Hello? Hi! We're touching down. We, our, feet are, our feet are hitting the ground. <laughs> we have a rather unique fat watch today. Yes. So this is from the Times of Israel. Yes, yes. Which I okay, I I'm not familiar with this publication, and I was like, I'm always nervous when there's a newspaper or something I'm not familiar with, mm-hmm. um, in my fat news aggregator because I actually was like, I found this new fashion magazine and it just seemed weird, and it's like, oh, this is like a far right fashion magazine. Ooh. So I don't, I'm not familiar. Well, only with American flags. What I'm not, I'm not familiar <laughs> with the politics, but I really liked this article. Of um, the Times of Israel. Yes, not of the, the Times of Israel. Israel. Yeah. The Times of Israel had a piece talking about the intersections of being fat and Jewish and dealing with fat phobia in uh, Jewish spaces. Yeah, and represented in all the ways that you might think, but also like, you know, if you want to participate in, uh, I forget the name of the of the tradition, but- There's a tradition involves, where they have to do ceremonial bathing. Right. 
Um, and there is, you know, there, there are towels provided by the place that you go to, but if you have a fatter body, it's like those towels might cover one body part. Right. You know? mm. And so do you, you know, do you opt not yeah. to participate in something that's part of your religion? Yeah. And it's a, it's a fundamental part of the religion. Well, and, and as the, as the person being interviewed points out, part of that ceremony is the celebration or appreciation of one's body. And you're being told by the place you're going that, well, not your body. Right. Yeah. Um, and the person being interviewed primarily uh, is Rabbi, I'm, I'm guessing her first name is pronounced Mina. Yes. It's M-I-N-N-A. Uh, Rabbi Mina Bromberg, uh, founder of Fat Torah, uh, which is a nonprofit organization. She is from Israel. She lives in Jerusalem. Um, and so they had interviewed her along with uh, some board members of Fat Torah and some mm-hmm. other people. And the board Jewish members community. are from all over the world. From all over. Um, and it's I was surprised by the length and detail of all of these interviews and Mm, and like mm -hmm. it is the the um, what's the term not not the credibility but the uh, pedigree of the people involved in this organization is substantial Mm -hmm. Um, and they're basically creating a space uh, for fat people to be Jewish and for Jewish people to be fat and for it to be safe to do those things um, and to help educate and they had they were founded uh, right before the pandemic. So of course, mm-hmm. uh, we're able to, to find survival by having like online courses and training seminars. And I think it's kind of incredible. We, we don't talk about religion much. I feel like <laughs> of the people in our group, we don't, we have don't a lot bring of a lot to the to table. Yeah. 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 Um, but I think this is kind of incredible because obviously it does affect a lot of people. And being fat in a religious sect that tends to withdraw from society can be difficult. So like, I did an assisted weight loss program uh, at a hospital at one point uh, and they had group meetings where everyone would get together and talk about their progress during the week. And there was a woman in there who turned out to be an Orthodox Jew. Mm. And like part of the process for her was realizing like she had no support in her community. Mm. Um, you can't do weight watchers really, you know, you can't really do a lot of this stuff. So because of the lack of support because of the dietary differences or because because of- it's a social support group and a lot of the uh. st- a lot of the stuff that comes up there isn't stuff you really can discuss in a mm-hmm. uh, if you're a religious uh, uh, orthodox outside, conservative outside person yeah. it's a little mm-hmm. inappropriate mm-hmm. um and so like with her there it was a jewish hospital so it was kind of okay but like she kind of had to do it on the sly Wow. Um, and hmm. yeah, I mean, it, when you're any, any group that severs you from the larger s- section of society, it can be very difficult to I, find that help. Mm-hmm. I was intrigued by the rabbi they interviewed. So his wife is fat and yeah. he's trying to, in his congregation, de-escalate the fat phobia and the anti-fat bias. Mm-hmm. But as it says, I think in the article, like gently laying the tracks. Right. And you know, my question is always, not that that's bad, but I question it. So for example, you know, he is trying to, and it's unclear what he's actually doing, like trying to tell people that it's it's really not the best thing to compliment weight loss or mm-hmm. to tease weight yeah. gain. And Some microaggressions. Yeah, and so like, aggressive. okay, good, good, that's great. Uh, but when it came time to bringing someone from Fat Torah into the congregation for like a workshop, he uh, talked about it with, a lay person in the community that's very close to the zone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they said, no, no, that's too much too soon. We can't do well, that yet. And the reason they gave was that apparently in their specific community, there are a lot of like scientists and medical professionals whose, 
you know, work is very important and is very anti-fat in nature mm-hmm. yeah. and in bias. And, and my question is, it's always this, this, I like, I don't have a, I don't have a stand on this. It's really just this ongoing question. That whole thing of like, you know, incremental progress versus radical action mm-hmm. and is, you know, which, and, and I think it has to be taken case by case. And this case interests me. Like, should they, is this the time where you do, you know, a, uh, an anti-fight bias, bias smackdown with all your <laughs> medical people or like, yeah. no, no, let's start with like, you know, microaggressions. I feel like change always comes from a dual prong approach of the radical and the conservative working together. Okay. So like with gay rights, right. Yeah. You had the radical, um, act up or, da, uh, mm-hmm. was it act, act up, up. was act up versus the more conservative groups that were working quietly behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. One allows the movement for to move forward by, by encouraging it gently and the other basically keeps knocking on the door to see if you're ready yet. You I know? wonder, I wonder if what, if the reason that works is because it allows the less aggressive organization to claim, like they make greater inroads because people are like, well, thank God you're not those people. <laughs> yeah. Like you're okay. Thank God. You're not. And it's so that's why it's important to have those people so that the other people look better. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of how the, the general public receives it. Ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, what counts. I also like that um, going back to Mina for a second, she calls herself fat. She uses mm-hmm. the word fat as opposed to euphemisms like big boned or fluffy or, you know, medicalized terms like uh, obese or overweight, um, which have all these sort of anti-fat implications to them. Which I also do get as being something that can make people uncomfortable. Like we use the term fat on our show all the time. Yeah. I mean, it's in the name of the show. Yeah, <laughs> but We're claiming it. We're using it. If you're the first person going into a older conservative community uh, fat has always been a negative, mm-hmm. right? Well, the rabbi, they, they make a point of saying that rabbi doesn't use the word fat. Yeah. The other rabbi. Right, right. She, she the, is a rabbi. But yes. Yeah, the, one you're I, talking. the one I was talking about who's like, I don't know if we're ready for that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, can you imagine going up to like some, you know, a 71 year old woman sitting in one of the pews yeah. and say like, <laughs> would you like to come to a fatness workshop? Mm-hmm. Oh my God, granny will rip your head off. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, and, and beat you with it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, never mind. I won't say this because it, it's going to make people mad. I feel, I feel like we should talk and mention that both Michael and, and I are Jewish. Yes. In background. Well, so. and, and yeah, I, I always have to sort of qualify it and say. Um, culturally. Uh, you're culturally. Culturally. Jewish. Yeah, I guess that's yeah. the term. Mm-hmm. There was a different one I was going And but, same yeah. deal with me. I've been to Temple like maybe less than 10 times in my entire life. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, I think it's interesting just the. Trevor, are you Jewish? Because you no. can't talk right now if you're not. <laughs> <laughs> the regarding, you know, fat and using fat, like. So, you know, um, Google came out with their oh, guidelines right. for plus size customers, which NAFA worked with them to develop. And, you know, NAFA was insistent on using fat, but Google's like, oh, we found that people prefer plus size, mm. um, which I was, I don't know, I was thinking about recently and just like, like if it was like, well, not plus size clothing, it's fat clothing <laughs> or just like fat models. And just like, I can see why people would not. It just brings baggage. Yeah. It brings a ton of baggage. It's, it is not a word that doesn't carry extra meaning. It's a, well, it but, has, but it's by, fat with extra yeah, meaning. Yeah, but by, but by segregating the word, you perpetuate that. Yeah. Yeah. But right now using the word it, like uh, in a positive way is a political act. You know? it, yeah. It is an act of. Uh, I, I mean, I, I want to say you're wrong, but you're not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Oh, active resistance. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been using it for a long time, but one of the things I look at, you know, if I'm and Dan's not political. <laughs> I, will, I mean, no, I mean, I I'm I'm sort of an accidental fat activist, which I'm occasionally reminded of. Um, <laughs> But it, yeah, because that's not how I got into the space. I right. just got into the space to help chubs and chasers have better relationships. That's that's where I you come monster. From. Yeah, <laughs> and then all of a sudden I got called like a fat activist. I'm like, okay, if you say so. Um, I, I noticed that it is it is definitely a dividing line when a fat person can't say fat or when a chaser can't say fat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think when I don't, when a person can't say fat, I'm like, mm, this is, well, but it's, this it's, is going to be a thing. But I think yeah. it's different when someone is so definitely in the community, but can't say the word. Yeah. Yeah. It's I got that's, that's what I'm pointing to. I'm thinking of um a, the guy that I had dinner with, with uh, our friend Elijah, who just like couldn't say fat. And I was like, please just say fat. Cause he was using all these euphemisms and it was so <laughs> painful, painful <laughs> and just weird. And was he fat? No, but he had members of his family who were bigger oh i see i see yeah fluffy is your favorite one i have to admit i think i adjust my language depending on where the person i'm talking about is whether or not they're present like if they're comfortable calling themselves fat i will call them fat if i can't imagine them doing that i adjust the language for them even if they're not there yeah i I don't do that specifically because i want to empty out the word i want it to be Mm -hmm. just like yellow or rectangular or you know plant it, it just, it shouldn't have those meanings. Mm-hmm. I feel like I can bring that meaning for myself. I can't throw it on someone else. I think that's what I'm getting at. Mm, that's, well, yeah, mm-hmm. I, get, I get what you mean. So thank you yes. uh, to Mina and to the organization, Fat Torah. Um, it's super, super cool and I, a more unique. Yeah, give them, this year. give them a follow. And, and now, uh, apropos of nothing we've talked about so <laughs> <Yeah>. far, <laughs> on to our main subject. It's the main subject today is like how people used to know us, how we'd like people to know us talking about like parent child relationships or, you know, before and after gaining or losing weight, uh, pre post pandemic, just looking at yourself in different periods of time and how people related to those different versions of you. And is it an improvement? Is it worse? How does it make you feel, et cetera, et cetera. And I think, you know, obviously there's, Oh, this just, I'll start us off. This happened to me last night. Um, (laughs) I, I went to play soccer and a guy that I'm friends with because we've been playing together in the same sort of pickup group for a few years now. He has always been one of the not I, I would say he's like n- like normal sized as as opposed to athletic thin. Mm-hmm. So on a soccer field, he sticks out as being a little bit fatter. Um, I've seen, by the way, some very, very good fat soccer players on that field, like not professionals, just like really good players anyway. Uh, he, we were warming up before the game and he was like, how do you do it, man? Cause he hadn't seen me in a few months and he was like, how do you do it? And I was like, what are you talking about? And he was like, you just, I, it's crazy. Like, a, you know, a couple months ago you have like a belly and like now you're here, like you look great. Mm. And I was kind of like, uh, thank you and fuck you. <laughs> and I, I said, I, I, I was like, if you say so, like, yeah. yeah, sure. If you say so. And he's like, how do you do it? And I was like. I guess just don't get injured and then you can keep playing. And I don't know. I haven't been actively trying to lose weight, but it's sort of a byproduct of getting regular exercise in my case. Um, yeah. And uh, it was weird. Oh God, I have a whole insert for this, but it's not appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of imagine you like kicking a soccer ball in his face and like running away. <laughs> well, what I hate about it is it's like quote unquote successful weight loss is when your body just loses fat it just does it and you didn't do anything for it 
And that's how it works. And sometimes that's the only way it sticks. And, well, then sometimes it happens in adolescence. Sometimes it happens later in life. But this idea that you are doing something and that mm -hmm. more importantly, you should be doing something. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's the, and this has the extra connotation of being effective at the sport that you're playing. Like you feel less effective if you're carrying more weight and you're slower. I don't know. I mean, I don't, the funny thing for me about it was that I didn't really see that change. Like I, I had to take a four month break uh, from any exercise because I was injured and I did gain weight during that time. And I don't really, I, I don't really, I haven't seen myself lose that weight really. Uh, or at least not to the degree that he was talking about. So I was, I was kind of drawn back. Like I didn't see what he saw. Mm. Um, but I think he was also projecting a fair amount. Mm. Well, I know in the gym, something that happens all the time is it's, it's part of the, the, the bodybuilder bigorexia mm -hmm. where it's not just that you think you're too small. It's also that you think everyone else is bigger. Mm. And so a lot of times, and I, I think this may be what you're dealing with is, you know, you don't perceive a great difference in yourself, but he perceives a huge difference. And like in the gym, somebody will come up to me and like, dude, you look so huge. I'm like, I think you're bigger than I am. <laughs> <laughs> but I, neither, neither of us knows who's right because we both think we're small. Right, right. The comparison. <laughs> it's interesting. Like for me, the, the issue usually is when someone pins down who they think I am to a different period in my life. Oh yeah. And yeah. keeps trying to force me back. Like my mom is unable to see me as being anything but a 14 year old. Yeah. You know, everything I did when I was 14 must be the thing I still do now. Yeah. Which I think is a pretty universal complaint. A lot of people have about their parents. I, I think the only difference is what age parents freeze you at. Yeah. I'll, I'll throw you a <laughs> curveball here. My, with my parents, maybe not so much my mom, but with my dad, for sure. It was the exact opposite where he didn't know how to relate to me until I was an adult. Mm. Oh, yeah, no, 100%. Uh, I had Same to here, be yeah. an adult for him. Like, I was never a, I was never a kid. I was I, a creepy, <laughs> mature teenager. <laughs> creepy, mature. I'm sorry, treating yeah. children as adult is my whole child care package. <laughs> <laughs> I what should say, we discuss today, Timmy? <laughs> I would say with my dad, it's kind of the same as you, Michael, except like he's still bad at relating, but it's like he can like at least figure, like, kind of try now and it's like oh <laughs> hey there's this buddy. whole like, weird yeah there's a whole weird interaction i had with him where dan thought where he's like oh, oh there's pat pat like yeah <laughs> it was so well it was oh come on god bless him he's trying exactly yes, no, I mean, no that's it like, no it was that but, <laughs> but it was that's why it was so pathetic because like god he's oh, trying so well, no I, I don't mean pathetic bad i mean pathetic like worthy of pity because he was just so trying so hard and it was so not him, but he thought yep. it should be. And like, <laughs> which makes it even worse because then it's not authentic and it feels even more gross. And <laughs> you know what though? all you can do is reward it and, and help encourage. I, I am so proud of my 80, my nearly 81 year old father. Oh my God. It's real close now. My father through most of my life did not evolve at all. Yeah. And then the past five or six years, he's been trying really hard. Oh. Um, like, I, unfortunately, that comes with some stumbles along the way. My father, again, being 81 from New York, has some very strong racist streaks in him that he would oh. never think of being racist. But uh, That's yeah, tough. So that's neither here nor there. I forget why I got onto this well, topic. Because he's changed. Like he, yeah, he's, he's making is, an effort. Uh, yeah. Well, and then yeah. the question is, is your relation to him also updating? Or are you still seeing him the way he used to be? I think Yes. 
I am, but it's it, a lot of it is in comparison to who he is now. I'm always holding up who he used to be, uh, comparing him to who he is now to check progress, which is <laughs> which is ultimately unfair to him because I'm not just appreciating him for who he is right yeah, now. Yeah, you know. So frequently we bring people's history into their relationship. Yeah, yeah. And, but that's a good point, Michael. I, I think I'm guilty of it. Well, I mean, it, it might be helpful to say, kind of like what you were talking about, Michael. One of the jobs psychologically of the ego is to maintain the illusion that who we are is a constant. Mm -hmm. The job of the ego is to mediate, you know, inside world, outside world, and to hold in place this idea that I have always been this way. And if it's not that you deny it, oh, sometimes people do, but you know, you can be reminded that you weren't always this way, but you don't go through your day thinking that you go through your head, you go through your world with the illusion that this is who you are and always have been and always will be. And it comes out in phrases like, oh, I'm not the kind of person who. I, so <laughs> I, I, I'm going to throw this out there because I find this fascinating. I think I have never done that. Really? In my life. I, yeah, I don't operate. I'm fundamentally the opposite of that. Well, I think that's because you have a constant second guessing going on in your head. Perhaps, <laughs> but I, I would even put it more like a constant... Um, I mean, yeah, when I was younger, for sure. But I think as an adult, more like um, a constant introspection. Like I'm constantly checking myself to see like, is this evolution for me? Is this a better decision than I would have made five years ago? Right. And I, I but, but like weekly, daily. But that's a, like, but that's a learned behavior. And, yeah. it's, and it's part of, I think, what's been your psychological journey and therapy of, mm -hmm. of, of, because going, if you, if you don't check the ego, it will lead you into places you don't necessarily <laughs> want to be. And that's right. part of, that's part of therapy. That's part of evolving as a human being is like, oh, I have this mechanism in my head that thinks that I'm always like this. Mm -hmm. And well, you have to I sort think of learn. everybody has different levels of sort of a natural introspection. Yes. Um, I like, God bless my dad, I, you know, but one of the reasons why he never evolved is my father has an absolute zero in his introspection stat. Like you just, <laughs> he, everything is a critical botch with him when it comes to introspection. But only because you can't have a negative in that stat. Well, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, what I think is interesting is I think it's a very, it's a very masculine trait. One of the, one of the things you ascribe to it's masculinity. It's very much of is, his generation too. Yeah. Well, in it, well, because it's one of those things that go with quote unquote masculinity. And it's one of the biggest characteristics I find when I deal with chasers hmm. is the level of introspection uh, is often meant with the same level of fear. Okay, that makes sense. Interesting. Much less so with chubs, because you know chubs are always told that they're flawed and should be looking at themselves and correcting who they are. <laughs> so I mean, they grew up in that in that conversation. Chasers have grown up in the conversation of don't admit to anything. Trevor, in your experience, how <laughs> That's introspective? That's really chasers? interesting. I think it really depends on how. I don't really know what word to use here. What level uh, they are? Yeah, like <laughs> what level they're at chaser-wise. It's like, a D&D &D metaphor. How, <laughs> yeah. I think the the less at home they are with being a chaser, the less introspective they tend to be. Oh, of course, yeah. Um, which comes first, which, though. Well, which is why, like I said, when I, if, if they get to me, there's usually something that like they're not working on and want to or mm. just not well, working I on. I feel like there's a relation to kink there. Yeah, like there can be. I, I had a bunch of friends in the BDSM community that were so in like in their day to day lives were so just balanced, Zen, laid back, 
and easygoing. And it felt like they'd gotten there because they had to work through yeah. mm-hmm. their issues with their own kink and what that meant to them. And I would put, I would point out though, that that particular kink of BDSM is today one of the most widely accepted, embraced and normalized. Yeah. But mm-hmm. if you have a kink that isn't, and I can think of, you know, only a hundred, <laughs> uh, if you have a kink that isn't, yeah, you don't want to look at that shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because what, there couldn't be any good news there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's Man. interesting. I hadn't really thought about that. I am curious. I don't know. Cause I, I was thinking about when we were talking, when we talked about doing this, I was thinking a lot about my mom and kind of like our relationship kind of around body stuff and how that's changed. And I think even like since doing the podcast, but like, you know, I, I don't know, episode two of the podcast or whatever, talking about, you know, my mom having this whole thing about like, well, I'm uncomfortable with your size now. And I'm willing to compromise by saying <laughs> you should, you know, lose enough weight to you were at the previous size. I was uncomfortable. <laughs> it really was. And she, I mean, she thought this was a legitimate negotiation yeah, like that she had a compromise. role in. <laughs> and just like how, like, she's so, not there anymore. She's not there anymore. Yeah, she's, she's not there she's, anymore. Yeah, she's but like better. how she's at a point now to where like, so that was a co- real conversation we had. And now she's like, why are people attacking Lizzo? <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, Trevor, like, she doesn't listen to the podcast. This no, is, this is all from you. Yeah. I, and I think even just from like, I don't know, seeing Lizzo be amazing and hmm. seeing someone beautiful and amazing and talented being attacked for her ap- appearance. And also Lizzo. Yeah. This is interesting. And obs- <laughs> this is an interesting observation to me because uh, after Piggy, after the movie Piggy, uh-huh. I remember saying on the podcast that I don't ever remember having the experience of having f- some feeling like someone else owned my body mm. that uh-huh. way. But when you're talking about this, no, my mom always reacted that way to me. Like my body was hers, mm-hmm. a personal reflection on her mm-hmm. and needed to be corrected so that she would look better. Absolutely. Yes. Well, you know? well, and you see that too with like gay people, like, you know, I'm fine with you being gay, but don't tell anyone because yeah. I'll be embarrassed. Exactly. Mm. I mean, that was always kind of, I think everything with my mom and, you know, all, all of me, all of the super Trevory things that make me Trevor <laughs> is like, you know, I'm fine with it, but I'm not fine with how it reflects, like how other people will judge me for whatever thing, which I, th- you know, ob- obviously is not the case anymore, but I think it's interesting to just kind of look at that with, I don't know, parents and their fear of being judged for something out of their control and then trying to control to prevent that judgment. Yeah. The idea of being like, you're a bad mother. If you have a fat kid, you're a bad mother. If you have Mm -hmm. a gay kid, you're a bad mother. If you have an X, Y, Z kid, especially for that generation where basically the quality of their mothering is how they are judged as being valued to society, Mm -hmm. you know, of, of women of a certain age. That's what they were told their role in life. was. Well, you know, or fathering, you know, it applies just as much there. Yeah. In some cases more so. Oh yeah. Did you raise a sissy? Did you raise a sissy? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Why isn't your son at the ball game? I think I mentioned that before on the show, like with my dad's background, he was fine with me being gay, but Mm. fat, uh, you know, that, that was less good. My dad was fat and a sissy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 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 And straight. Yeah. (laughs) And somehow so straight. I, so my, I think the largest way this impacts my life is uh, these, we've talked about the phenomenon Largely noticeable in chasers and chubs too, I think, of like that delayed Mm -hmm. um, maturity. Mm -hmm. like Five to 10 years behind the curve. Five to 10 years behind the curve, which is dead on, at least in my case. Um, And basically like 
moving to LA in my early, early 20s, you know, 21 years old, essentially being the sort of emotional and societal maturity of a 13-year-old. Mm-hmm. And, and then, how old were like, you when you moved to LA? 21. Yep. And so the, the growth that I went through from 21 to, say, 30 um, or 29, uh, and the, the people that I met along the way and the way that they regarded me through those different sort of eras in my life, has, it's just been chaotic. And I, I think the one thing I've noticed is that the people that I met around the same time that I met, I think all three of you mm-hmm. actually, like my early, like 24, mm-hmm. that was like right at the tipping point of kind of the current version of myself, like growing into. Yeah, I can see that. And, but like that, you know, six year period of me sort of iterating and growing and changing and trying to improve and all that stuff. Like I'm. I would say substantially different. I mean, I'm still me. Mm. Well, the people we invite into our lives really help shape the next person we'll become. Mm -hmm. You know, all the people in our lives are molds in a lot of ways that either help us grow in good directions or help us truncate bad ones or grow in bad directions and truncate good ones. Mm. Well, and so it's a matter of picking the right people to help shape your life with you. And having to educate people that you're no longer the person they're, they think you are. Yeah. So like that happened with uh, somebody that I met very, actually, yeah, there's, there's a whole complicated story here that we don't need to get into, but basically was one of the primary people that sort of ushered me into LA when I first moved here. So like very influential figure, well-established in the film industry, um, but sort of an unhealthy relationship. Uh, it was sort of vaguely sexualized and, not necessarily my idea, but I didn't say no. You know, it was like mm-hmm. that sort of gray area thing. Um, and then as I got older and older and kind of like realized I have a lot of issues I need to work out and started working them out, um, realized that this person made me more and more uncomfortable to be around mm. um, until really I just stopped I just stopped communicating with them because they couldn't see me in other, any other way. Um, and eventually he asked me, we, we got back in touch a couple years ago mm. and we had like a lunch and it was kind of great because I had sort of grown up in quotes and he was still him. Um, and so it was like, oh, let's, let's talk, let's communicate, let's take this in a different direction. And then it was still that kind of awkward thing afterwards of like me looking at him saying, you're making inappropriate comments about me mm-hmm. and I don't like it. And you're, you're sort of implying that you want some kind of, even if it's just sort of a playful sexual banter here that I'm not comfortable with, I have no desire to do, and I have never led you to believe that this is my thing in the last few years, in the last eight years. And so I just stopped. And recently, like a couple months ago, he finally wrote me and was like, what happened? Mm. Like, why did this happen? And I just laid it all out. And I said, like, these are all the things, this is all why. And he said... He, he went silent after that. He didn't even respond. He just said, good to know. Yeah. And then like a few, like a month later, he wrote me and said, um, hey, like, I want to try this again. Hmm. And I was like, okay, we can do that. Just so you know, the friends that I choose to have in my life don't sexualize me inappropriately. And if you think you can handle that, then we can try this. <laughs> Never respond. <laughs> oh, no. And I don't care. I, like, no, I'm I fine think, with that. No, I think that's yeah. a win for everybody. I yeah. mean, literally for him too. It's like, yeah. oh, I can't do that. Well, all right. I'm not interested in yeah. not sexual. There we go. And so. it's so simple. <laughs> but it's just so fascinating because like even as recently as four, three or four years ago, that would have sent me around the bend. Oh, right. Okay. And so now I'm much more at peace with it. And mm-hmm. I get to sort of 
be an active participant in my own decision making and choosing who's in my life and all that stuff. And it's like, it's nice to know that I have that power. I did not think I had that five years ago. Yeah. I think that's, that's a huge thing that I do a lot when my coaching is getting people to see that the people you have in your life for better, for worse are not there by accident. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's, as you point out, like you, you actually do have the ability not to control, but there are affinities and people, you collect people through these affinities. Mm -hmm. And if you're not aware of these, you can collect things you don't really want. <laughs> well, I, mean, but I, I want the whole set. Dad, no, I want I, the whole set. No, but I mean, I learned this, I learned this early on as I was figuring out the nature of my sexuality because I would want to, or feel I should go to bed with anyone who was interested in me. Hmm. Not because I couldn't say no. I mean, you know me, I can say no. Hmm. The problem was it, I felt like, oh, I shouldn't turn this down. Look at him. I shouldn't turn this down. Hmm. How could I? And it was, I, I, I remember the day I like made a rule about this <laughs> <laughs> and it was, no, it's like this, you know, how you have those little voices in your head. You're just like, you should, you know, you know, Dan. Hmm. And the voice in my head was like, don't pick up what you don't want. <laughs> rather than picking up something you don't want, knowing you don't want it, and then being in the mess of like, oh God, how do I not get what I already picked up? <laughs> like, like who made that problem? I did shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think there's a, there's a lot of that of, you know, or a lot of flirting that goes awry is because people are so flattered to be flirted with mm -hmm. that they flirt back or, mm -hmm. or that they think they should be flirting because that's, that's their currency. Mm-hmm. Or it's just, or it's like an obligation. Like, yeah. oh, you, you gave me a compliment. I have to give you one back. Yeah. And then it just becomes this icky, icky, reciprocation icky. that you didn't intend. Well, and then, and, and believe me, you're not doing anyone any favors because I am the king of like, did they just say that because I said something? <laughs> <laughs> did they compliment me because I complimented them? Uh -huh. Oh, crap. <laughs> well, we could go on. <laughs> um, I, I'm having, I, I think this is quite a fascinating subject. Maybe yeah. we'll circle back for a part two. Um, but we're getting to that. We're getting to the, the witching hour. We're about to turn into pumpkins. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we have a, a tip, tip yes. for this week. I uh, love this tip. Yeah. This tip is from Dan. So I've been following this, uh, this fat couple and they are the plus uh, size travel couple, yes. plus size travel couple, and they go everywhere and they are both fat and they are wonderful. And they gave this tip and you know, I've done a lot of traveling. I've done a lot of traveling with Trevor and my jaw was on the floor when I read this tip. Okay, here it is. Pick a hotel that is near one of those tourist bus tours, the hop on hop off bus tours that every major city has that mm -hmm. has a tourism industry. And typically they're, you know, sometimes they're these double decker buses or, but it doesn't matter. The point is you can get on and get off. And so the idea is you book a hotel that is a quick walk from one of their stops. And then you don't have to worry about cabs. You don't worry. You have to worry about like renting a car. You can just hop on the bus and they usually have all these different routes. So it takes you all over the town, all the places you want to see. You're going to probably meet people because they're on the tour with you. Mm -hmm. And it's, I thought it was just the best idea to get, you know, I've done a lot of traveling by myself, which is a blessing and a curse. <laughs> and it's just a wonderful way you get to meet people. You get to see the sights. And if you're traveling with, uh, with a fat person who's you know, got some mobility challenges, what better way to have like a bus at, at your, at your beck and call. Mm -hmm. I love this tip. That's really, really smart. I would not have thought, mm -hmm. thought of that. No, like I said, my jaw was on the floor. Um, plus size travel couple, you should follow them. They do, they have all kinds of fun adventures. They mm -hmm. log them all. They give you tips. 
Um, it's good stuff all around, especially if you're interested in travel. Oh, oh, oh. And they are collecting opinions and participation maybe for like maybe doing a group tour sometime. Ooh. And so they're like, where should we do this? Should we do this? You know, how should, should we do it on a bike? Should we do it on a trike? Should we do it in a plane? Should we do it in <laughs> hot air balloons? <laughs> Fatty fat people in hot air balloons are just a natural mix. <laughs> if you if you reply if you if you check them out and reply to this, uh, tell them that the Big Fat Gay podcast sent to you. Yes, I want to know what they say. <laughs> All right, oh God, I really have to pee, and I'm trying to decide if I should wait for us to do the bit. I think I might be able to. So let's just let's just go. Let's just yeah. okay. So our bit. bit today, uh, we're going to talk about each of us has a little something uh, that we used to used to do or that we used to be that we are no longer mm-hmm. participating in or being. So, like for example, mm-hmm. my own. Um, when I was younger, I was quite good at trampolining. Oh, I huh. really enjoyed trampolining. Bumbles brown. Um, yeah, well, it was because I had I was young enough to really enjoy it. But I was a fat kid, so I had the weight and the mass to get some serious height. <laughs> so, like, you know, I, I was the right age to have the joy of it and had the body for it that most people of that age would not be able to and really love. if you can trick your bully into getting onto the trampoline, <laughs> you can bounce them into the atmosphere. <laughs> There's a lot of kids, just a lot of bullies in the atmosphere. Yeah. So now, you know, I have, uh, I've talked about on the show before, I have a goddaughter that's eight. And like they have these trampoline parks now mm-hmm. for kids. And I just look at these things and like, I'm above the weight limit mm. for them, but God, oh, would I, I, I would love to go jumping on that. But yeah, it was something as I got older, I sort of got aware that my body was jiggling in a way when I was doing that and got increasingly self-conscious. So oh. I stopped doing it more because of self-consciousness Not the weight rather limit. than safety concerns. Yeah, And now it's gone. Well, Dan, I guess it's my turn. (laughs) Um, This is, this is about taste. Okay. So there was a time when I actually liked fast food and I don't know what happened. And I don't like, this isn't, this isn't some sort of like humble bragger virtue thing. It's like, I just don't like the taste of fast food. Like, how do you not eat fast food? It's like, I don't like it. What I picked up instead though, was a very, very uh, devoted taste to alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) so if you're if you think this is virtue signaling it's not it's It's well it took you a while to get there i took uh, it well took yeah because there was like a there's like 30 years in between (laughs) but yeah no i used to be all about jack in the box i love jack Mm. in the box um you like the occasional straight chicken nugget now yeah i'm mostly because i'm dying of hunger coming back (laughs) from the doctor's office (laughs) in in bumfuck that we (laughs) go to and and I was like, I need food. All right. It's not food, but it'll make me less hungry. <laughs> I literally can't eat McDonald's burgers anymore. I get Ugh. sick. Uh, Trevor, what you I got? I mean, to just, I feel like. So many things. That, just, I don't keep being a fat person talking about food. <laughs> uh, I used to like powdered donuts. Mm. And I do not. Holy I, crap, you did? I, I didn't know this. I despise because of the powder they're, they're messy they're messy i don't like the way the powdered sugar did you your mouth overdose at one point I, or i have a theory about this it, so when you eat a powdered donut it's that feeling of the congealed oil on the powder that coats your mouth and mm-hmm. makes it feel like you just ate a stick of butter 
or not even butter, but just like old oil. Do you, do you get this? <laughs> I don't think that would deter him. <laughs> no, it's like, but not, no, I know what you're talking about. Not in about. a good way. <laughs> <laughs> There's a whole bunch of our audience who are going like, it will, it'll taste like butter. Not, not, not like butter, like old, like no. congealed refrigerated fat that is not I don't really know what change. I would bet that you had some sort of respiratory distress and you had got powdered sugar up your nose. <laughs> no, I think it's just I got sick. I Were you really, trying to snort your donuts? <laughs> well, like I, from the back of, like from the soft palate. I think just I got sick of that coated feeling at some point. I used to love old fashioned donuts, but now they hold too much oil for me. They get too greasy. I mean, that's sort of donuts. They're my, they're actually my favorite donut. They're delicious. <laughs> what about you, Michael? Um, I had a couple that popped into my head, but the one I think I'm going to go with is, you know, I moved to LA to be a filmmaker. I kind of already was a filmmaker, just a very, very, very tiny little fledgling filmmaker. And then I moved out here <laughs> to the big with, pond. To the big pond with a certain degree of experience. And I knew what I loved to do and the way I love to do it. And then I came out here and in learning how to do things right, in learning how to do things professionally with other people and with other all that stuff, all the construction around filmmaking that makes it big and expensive. I eventually, I had this thing of like, that's what it's supposed to be. That's what it has to be. And, and then it's that sort of like early 20s desire of like, I want to be the next Spielberg. I want to be the next big thing. And you're like pushing yourself in that sort of ambitious way and tried to do that. And I, I made this uh, very expensive uh, short film that was a sort of catas catastrophe, catastrophic failure. And my lesson in trying that was that's not actually how I like to make movies. Mm. I very specific, I like a very specific thing of an, a much more intimate production with a minimal, minimal crew um, where I'm operating the camera. Mm. And I know that doesn't get a result that you would typically see, but Robert Rodriguez does it by the way. Mm. I'm not crazy here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it can be done. Yeah. It can be and frequently is. Um, and that's not to say that there's not a, a fantastic way to make a movie in the other more traditional methods, but I, it took me a long time to realize that I was making myself miserable doing it the way that other people expected me to. Okay. Anyway, so now, <laughs> listeners, you've learned a lot, a lot about us, our likes, our dislikes. Are, are your bladders ready to explode? <laughs> I know mine is. Tell us. <laughs> tell, where can they tell us? Tell that? us where they can do it. Where did me. they explode? <laughs> <laughs> We're on Instagram and Twitter as at Big Fat Gay Pod. We're on Facebook as the Big Fat Gay Podcast. Your bladder's going to explode there, too. Leave us <laughs> five stars on everywhere. Five drips. I remember uh, when Trevor's bladder wasn't going to explode. Subscribe to our Patreon and get exclusive episodes that aren't about bladders exploding. <laughs> See the articles we talked about at www.bigfatgaypod.com. Go to the bathroom now. <laughs> Maybe you're like me and, and you thought you could get through the rest of the episode without a bathroom break. And you made it. But your battered bladder is going to hold it much Just longer. Just watch out. <laughs> <laughs> I saved him. I saved him. That, that was the ending for the ages right there. <laughs> <laughs>